following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals during our spring Black Friday sale, like 19-ounce Bonnie vegetable and herb plants, four for $10. And pick up five bags of Scott's mulch in store only for just $10. Whatever's on your list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417 while supplies last. Not valid in Alaska or Hawaii. Scott's offer valid in store only. See store for details, U.S. only. And it's basically having to get past the ego barrier. Okay, try to deal with truth. Try to practice being totally straight with each other and working yourself through. That usually takes about 18 months. We call it, you know, sort of getting to the other side. And people uh, who do that can't go work typically easily in other companies because then they go to other places and everybody's talking behind each other's backs. So they have office politics. They are in positions where they can't question whether something's right. And you can't challenge your boss. You will never learn, and you'll never have your rights to grow. Welcome to the Forbes interview. I'm your host, Steve Bertoni. On this show, I'll do in-depth interviews with billionaires, entrepreneurs, and influencers. Hey, everybody. It's Laurel, executive producer for Forbes Podcasts. Steve's away on assignment, so for today's episode, we hear a chat recorded at the Forbes Under 30 Summit in 2017. It's between Ray Dalio, founder of the world's largest hedge fund, Bridgewater Associates, and Randall Lane, chief content officer of Forbes Media. Before we take a listen, just want to give a quick but important thank you to Rocket Mortgage, Varidesk, and ZipRecruiter. Right now, you can experience ZipRecruiter for free, saving you a couple hundred bucks when you go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. You'll hear more about all these companies later in the show. Ray's mission with Bridgewater is to have a meaningful work and meaningful relationships through radical truth and radical transparency. His approach is detailed in principles, which has been downloaded over three million times. The compilation of this is now being turned into a book, uh, which, which is just launched, and as you would imagine, is called Principles. Let's please all welcome Ray Dalio and Randall Lane. Uh, Frank's introduction, you know, obviously, world's largest hedge fund, uh, Super, super, super successful in your field. But a new title, New York Times bestselling author, right now the number two book, nonfiction book in the, in the country is Ray's book, uh, Principle. So, so my first question, first of all, if you have blurbs from Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, and Dr. Oz, you're doing something right. That's, uh, that's uh, you know, you're, you're, you're spanning a pretty, uh, pretty large breadth there. I want to talk in depth about your principles, but maybe, uh, especially we got a young crab, maybe give us a little bit of an overview of your career and how you got to this point. When I was 12, I, I caddied, and I didn't have much money, but at the time the stock market was hot, and I um, decided that I was going to play the stock market. And uh, the first stock I bought was the only company I ever heard of that was selling for less than $5 a share, so I figured I could buy more shares. <laughs> so if it would go up, it would be... Now, good. don't advise your clients of that... <laughs> <laughs> that's just well, that's not good dumb, advice. That's that's a dumb strategy, right? <laughs> that's okay, but you could have bought a lot of penny stock too. So. I, I, I could have bought a lot of penny <laughs> stock, but I didn't have heard them. This was the only one that I heard of, and it tripled in value because a company came in, and I was hooked on the markets, right? 
And so then, to make a long story short, uh, that was my game. I always loved to play the game. And the markets um, taught me a lot. Um, most importantly, it taught me how to um, deal with these, these principles and know how to be wrong. If, if you're an entrepreneur, a fair number of people are entrepreneurs, or if you're in the markets, you have to bet against the consensus and be right. And it's not easy to bet against a consensus and be right. So I learned mostly what I learned from mistakes, from making mistakes, and being able to convert those mistakes into lessons. So that, you know, that's basically upshot. The book is, is really meant for you guys to, to pass along. Every time that I would uh, do something, I would think about the criteria of why I made that decision, and I would write down those principles. Why do I make that decision? And that changed everything. Um, because every time you encounter something, particularly from a mistake and you learn a lesson, you can convert that into a principle so you, when the next time that comes along, you can handle it better. And what I discovered by running it down is that I could communicate with the people that I worked with, independent thinkers. I like, you need independent thinkers to go through that process. And by communicating that, and then later converting those into algorithms. In other words, we converted those principles into algorithms for dealing in the markets. That helped me a lot. And then algorithms for dealing with each other. So that's it in a nutshell. Now, now one core principle that kind of goes through a lot of your other principles is this, is this idea of radical transparency. Can you kind of kind of elaborate more on that idea? Yeah. So if you're working with a group of people, I would recommend that you have an idea meritocracy. Okay. So here, in one sentence, here's... My, my company, my approach, ID Meritocracy, is to have an ID Meritocracy in which the goals are to have meaningful work and meaningful relationships. They support each other through radical truthfulness and radical transparency. So in order to have an ID Meritocracy, you've got to do three things, basically. You have to be put your honest thoughts on the table. For everybody to see and everybody. So if you don't like my hat, you just tell me like well, that. <laughs> Are you asking for a comment? <laughs> uh, but it's put your honest thoughts and have other people put their honest thoughts on the table to have an idea of meritocracy. You have to then know how to have thoughtful disagreement. In other words, that disagreement is something that is a joy. It produces curiosity. It gets you to a better place than you could be individually. And then you have to have ways, idea meritocratic ways, of getting past that. So you have to know the merit of different people, and we have something we call believability-weighted decision-making. But if you can have that, then you will go beyond your own individual thinking. So the most important thing I want to convey is that whatever you have in your head as opinions can be wrong. And I think it's the greatest one of the greatest tragedies of mankind, that people are attached to their opinions that may be right and may be wrong. And when there's disagreement, somebody must be wrong. How do you know that somebody isn't you? And to be able to take that and to put that out there and work it through so that you could learn and raise your probabilities of being right. Like this is all it's about in the markets or it's in life. It's a matter of bets, okay? And how, how well are you going to make those bets? And all you want to do is maximize your probability of being right. So if you don't have the radical truthfulness, 
Well, I mean, imagine we were partners and you don't have a radical truthfulness, and I'm thinking about that. Well, it's, we're going to have a lousy partnership, and we're going to, it's going to be inefficient because you got stuff stuck in your head and I got stuff stuck in my head. We've got to get past that and onto the best thing in an idea meritocratic way. And that's been really the magic formula. And we'll be right back after this quick break. Is your company hiring? Every business needs great people and a better way to find them. Something better than posting your job online and just crossing your fingers the right people will see it. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. And right now, listeners to the show can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes and save yourself a couple hundred bucks. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. One more time. ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. It's ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Support for the Forbes interview podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, the mortgage company that decided to ask, why? Why can't clients get approved in minutes rather than weeks? Why can't they make adjustments to their rate and term in real time? And why can't there be a client-focused technological mortgage revolution? Quicken Loans answered all these questions and more with Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage, Mortgage, you get a transparent online process. It gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash Forbes. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, NMLS, consumeraccess.org, number 3030. Well, then how do you, then how do you wait? So, okay, first step, get it all on the table so we can look at it. But then let's say I'm the Bridgewater Junior Trader, you're the CEO. We don't really have equal weight, do we? Right. But So then we have ways of having believability-weighted decision-making. So let me first explain what the believability-weighted decision-making is like in concept, and then we'll get to how we do it. Um, let's say you have a, a disease, and you don't, know, you don't know much about the disease. So now you can go to one doctor. Um, you can go to two or three doctors. Uh, triangulation. Best thing you could do is pick three believable doctors, right, who are experts, who are willing to disagree with each other openly, so you hear what the disagreement is. If those three doctors say that you're um, good to go, you would probably then follow that. If they're at odds, you want to hear those differences. You want to bring that up and then improve your probabilities of being right. Now, you have a choice of how you're going to make that decision. Either you individually can make that decision say, I think I need to do something. But if you're not, you're not believable, give it up and then pick. And then when you're making that decision, you're going to be thinking, who know the most and so on. So that's believability-weighted decision-making when you think about you know, okay, who's the better expert? What did they think? And then you move beyond that in, a, in our organization. So if, two, if two say you're good and one says you're not, but the one guy who says is a Nobel Prize winning doctor, 
Yeah. You still might go for the one yeah. over the and two. Right, and you're hearing the differences, and you're then weighing that. That's how you're going to make decisions. I get this. That's how does that translate way. to an algorithm? So, so let me ask, finish answering your first question, because that was the example. Okay, now in order to have an idea meritocratic way, you have to know what people's strengths and weaknesses are, right? So what, if, I would recommend, if you're interested in this, to see the te my TED Talk at 16 minutes. But if you watch that, you'll see the devices that we use so that we know what people's strengths and weaknesses are. And, and that is better for them, but the way we do it is we collect a lot of data. They collect a lot of data. We agree on the, uh, the algorithms for collecting that data so that people can look at that, that themselves and then know their strengths and weaknesses. Do you want to know your weaknesses? Okay. So you have to get past the ego barrier. There's an ego barrier and a blind spot barrier. And if you the key to being successful, I want to pass this along to you guys, is that if you know your weaknesses and you're open-minded, then you can successfully deal with it. You can deal with uh, people who are strong where you're weak, right? So you got to get out of your head. I've watched, I've, I'm lucky, I've been able to speak to the most successful people in the world you know, practically anybody, most successful people in the world. And they have all, in their own way, none of them covers it all. None of them, it's just because of the stuff in their head. Where they're they know their weaknesses, and they know their strengths, and they can work on a team. And that's been the key. So you have to know the merit of people, and then you have to operate in that process. It's, it's explained in the book. I know we're covering it quickly. It's explained in the book, and that's been the key, key. And the reason I'm passing the book along is that any success I've had has not been due to me. It's been due to these things that I learned along the way, and I wrote up in those formulas there. Think of them as recipes. And when you encounter the same thing over and over, how do you best deal with it? And they don't have to be mine. They have to be yours. In other words, when you think you need principles, when something's come along, how, how are you going to deal with that something? Um, what is your principle for dealing with it? Principles, it could be principles for skiing, it could be principles for parenting, but when the same things happen over and over again, and if you don't learn like have principles for when another one of those comes along and how to deal with it, then you're going to be in trouble. So I recommend that, and you have to form your own principles that you're comfortable with. Well, you're talking about market-based outlook on life where you're looking at patterns and you're figuring out outcomes. You're dealing with reality, right? What, what percentage, I will assume that not everybody you hired could handle this kind of environment. What percentage of people bought in versus not? About a third of the population is gone in about 18 months. Um, and uh, it's a little bit like an intellectual Navy SEALs, right? People say, I can be a Navy SEAL, I want to do this. So before they come, we show them uh, what it's like. You can read about it in the books. And they say, I really want to do this. And then they, uh, they come, and we show them videos of what it's like. And then when they go into it, it's like seeing videos of being a Navy SEALs, and then you actually have to go in the icy water, and you don't, you know, you don't sleep, and that's, what it, you know, that's the equivalent. It's an intellectual Navy SEALs. And, and, and it's basically having to get past the ego barrier, okay? Try to deal with truth. Try to practice being totally straight with each other and working yourself through. That usually takes about 18 months. We call it, you know, sort of getting to the other side. And people uh, who do that can't go work typically easily in other companies because then they go to other places and everybody's talking behind each other's backs. So they have office politics. They are in positions where they can't question whether something's right. I mean, can you imagine that? How can you be, have that idea of meritocracy? And you can't challenge your boss. 
you will never learn. So, um, and you'll never have your rights to grow. So it's a, so they fall into two categories. You either you know like it or you don't like it, and you're gone. So how you, in your TED talk you had an example of like a very junior person in your firm basically giving you a D minus grade on on a presentation you made. Like, how does that you know? <laughs> but I mean, like I can't imagine it would be any other way, right? First of all, I needed the uh, I needed the feedback. So tell all your bosses that, by the way, that this is how it is now. But so. isn't it isn't it crazy? If, if I didn't hear that first of all I wouldn't get the criticism that I need to be better he was right when he criticized me and then secondly he'd have that bottled up right so yeah you want to have that when you're looking around you think it's so funny I think it's pretty tragic when you're walking around and you say I don't you're worrying about working on working on ice and you can't uh, on eggs and you can't say to your boss um, I don't think that's good if you have a quality back and forth with them about was that good or not somebody's going to learn stuff either you're going to learn how to do it better or he's going to also explain to you why under those circumstances he handled it that way that's quality that's good right or what do I want a bunch of do I want a bunch of people who are just going to be following me and I'm, go- I'm the all-knowing? I'm telling you, if you're, an indep- you're not going to be successful in life that way. And we'll be right back after this quick break. Traditional static offices are a thing of the past. Today, companies and employees want an active workspace. Veridesk helps people reimagine their office design. Being more active at work, like standing more and sitting less, can help improve your health by boosting energy and productivity. Veridesk Active Workspace Solutions make it easy to encourage more movement in a day. The new ProDesk 60 electric standing desk is the cornerstone of the active office. It's designed with commercial-grade materials, stable at any height, and fully assembled in under five minutes. Plus, all Veridesk products are made to last. They're also simple to set up and move or reconfigure as businesses change and grow. Check out Veridesk products, including the new ProDesk 60 electric risk-free for 30 days with free shipping and free returns. Learn more at veridesk.com slash Forbes. That's V-A-R-I-Desk dot com slash Forbes. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on everything you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals to help you save during our spring Black Friday sale, like Bonnie Vegetable and Herb Plants, four for $10. And for a clean-looking landscape, pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch for just $10. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417, not valid on Alaska or Hawaii. Bonnie offer valid on 19-ounce pots. See store for details, U.S. only. Uh, you guys obviously have an amazing track record. You don't get $160 billion for failing. I think, what, two losing years out of the last quarter century or so. How much of that alpha that you're generating do you attribute to this, this, these ideas? Um, all of it. It all comes down to their individuals. You know. It's the talent of the individual put into a combination that is going to produce whatever companies you're working at, their success or the failure. It's not the institution. When I started out, you know, there were the biggest financial institutions, biggest banks and so on. You know, when Steve Jobs or Elon Musk started out, okay, that's, it's all the individual and how individuals deal with each other in order to operate that way. So I'm saying an idea meritocracy is the best way to operate. Now, if you can explain to me 
why that isn't the best way of operating. I'm all ears, but we've demonstrated it. And so I, I would say, you know, okay, think it through. It's explained in the book under the work principles. And it's particularly valuable now because radical transparency, look, everything that you're doing practically um, can be, you're leaving fingerprints all over the place on yourself, right? Everybody... So much can easily be done on social media. They, they know what you're like. And they're having algorithms that are dealing with you, right? So the, we're in a world of that kind of transparency. You have to know how to tap into it, use it well. And I think it's great. <laughs> so we all become, even at work, you become a sum of your biases and a sum of your experience. And that translates into... So in, so, in some ways, you, you're working for the algorithm, right? You are making collective decision-making. The organization is not just the individual. The, the organism, think of it, as, be, as being that collective organization. And what an algorithm can do with, for you is to agree, you and I can agree on the criteria, and we could specify that. So that's our rule. If I write down a principle and we express it in computer ease, right. we'll call that an algorithm. Right then we are in agreement on how we well, should it's like operate. A sport. If you agree on the rules ahead of time, then there's no dispute. It... Right. And then the collective decision-making, high-quality collective decision-making, is much more powerful than individual decision-making. So do you think, let's project, you know, we got a lot of people here with a long time horizon, 10, 20 years from now, that this will become standard in, in firms like, you know, hedge fund firms or financial firms? Uh, and I think relationships. Okay. I mean, meaning, I think, the follow, I think the question of how you're going to be with each other. Are you going to be, have an idea meritocratic process? Yes. I think that what you'll see in companies, clearly, is the fact that you will know what people are like and how to best deploy them. And you'll do that openly. So we're going to have radical transparency. And we're going to get more at the facts and we're going to have high power collective decision making, and we're going to use algorithms to help. So right now, a lot of alpha comes from leadership. And, you know, it, so if you project this out, how much then when two companies are battling out or whether, you know, different hedge fund firms are trying to get alpha over each other, so does it become who has a better algorithm or I guess who has better collective brains in the room to cr create collective outcomes? There are two ways to come up with algorithms. The algorithm can be your thought that you write down, and so when, I, when you're saying it, it's just an expression of that. When we're used to writing it down in words, just think it's just writing it down in the computer so that the computer can then process it. It's not an independent thing. For, for me, my criteria is to write it down in words, know how I want to make a decision when something like that comes along, whatever it is, and have it in words, and then convert that to an algorithm. The other way that you can do it is what's uh, uh, you know called, in some extent, machine learning, which is also can be uh, data mining. In other words, put the numbers in and see the formulas that come out. Um, I believe that in decision-making, um, in terms of algorithm, computer decision-making, there are... Um, two red flags that you should worry about. doesn't mean that algorithm, if you're going to gather the information. Do you understand the cause-effect relationship? 
So if you don't have deep understanding and the algorithm's not expressing that deep understanding well, um, that's, that's one red flag. In some cases, you can come out with algorithms that you don't understand, but you know that the future will be the same as the past, and that's okay. Let's say if you take chess, playing of chess, because there's such a large sample size in moves and so on, or even if you were to say do a surgery, because the same moves happen over and over again and the same bodies are the same way, you can you have an algorithm give you the instruction and may not understand it and it'd be okay. But if you have something where the future is different from the past and you don't have understanding, you're probably going to blow up. You're probably going to have a problem. That is the big red flag. That's the red flag particularly in the markets, of course, because it's a situation where the market reflects the demand. So if everybody follows an algorithm, it's guaranteed not to work. You most might do the exact opposite of what was done before. And, uh, or if you're taking it for life in general, it, um, this is one of the great challenges of algorithmic decision-making in the future. If that situation where um, you don't understand it, most of these will not be understood, these algorithms, the cause-effect relationships, the logic behind them will not often be understood. And if the future is different from the past, they're dangerous. So it's terrific if you understand it, and it can be dangerous. What's the, uh, I think we have time for one more question. Taking these principles to the extreme, what's the field that you think you're most excited about the idea that this idea could then transform that field? I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a field thing. I mean, I think it's an approach to life thing, right? I mean, it's. So, I, I don't. I don't think it's a so field. You're not looking at like government or you know, or. I think in every in every organ in every environment, you, are do you have do you have clear principles like in the government? Um, do they have clear principles that bind us? How are you going to have disagreement? Idea meritocratic decision-making is going to be a better form of raising your probabilities of being right. I think today in our country, we have divisions, deep divisions for various reasons. And if we don't have uh, ways of having idea meritocratic decision-making, clear principles about what binds us together and what separates us, and ways of getting past those disagreements so we're rowing in the same direction, I think it's a problem. So I think these, these principles apply to anybody yeah. dealing collectively. And I might to clarify, and if you could clarify, when you talk about idea meritocracy, it's different than an idea democracy. That's right. One, democracy is one man, one vote. It assumes that everybody's equal, equally capable of making a decision. And so I don't think that's true. I wouldn't put everybody in the crowd and take a vote of what we should do. It has to be idea meritocratic. And then there's the other, which is sort of autocratic decision-making. In other words, there's the boss, and then he takes it all in, and then he decides what he wants right. to do. I don't think autocratic... Mo most financial, you know, a lot of financial... Mo yeah, most businesses, uh, that's operating. So autocratic decision-making is not a, as effective as idea meritocratic decision-making. And uh, certainly... Democratic decision-making isn't as effective. If you know who to believe, like those doctors, okay, and you're trying to say, how am I going to get to the best answer? That's the best way to get to the best answer. And the key is, you don't have to have the best answer in your head. If you're attached to what's in your head, and, you're, and you don't put it out there and stress test it and work it through this process, it's tragic because you, will, you could make that decision so much better if you would stress test it in the right way. I believe Ray Dalio, because your track record leads me to believe 
that I should believe you. So thank you. If you're interested in more, again, the book's great. Let's get it to number one on the bestseller list by a few. But um, thank you for your time, and thank you for this. You know, my head is buzzing right now. So thank you for this very fun and provocative talk. So and thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for this episode of the Forbes interview. I'm Steve Bertoni. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with a question or comment, please reach us at interview at podcastone.com. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals during our spring Black Friday sale, like 19-ounce Bonnie vegetable and herb plants, four for $10. And pick up five bags of Scott's mulch in store only for just $10. Whatever's on your list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417 while supplies last. Not valid in Alaska or Hawaii. Scott's offer valid in store only. See store for details, U.S. only. At the border, I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. At the roundtable discussion today in San Antonio, Texas, President Trump heard something he said he never heard before about life along the border. Many people are dying, and the danger of living here, unless you know exactly what you're doing, is tremendous. This is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Where are the people in Washington to stand up for these children, these women, these senior citizens? Where are they? Bring them down. Mr. President, let the Democrats come down to Brooks County. Let them come to any of these ranches. Let them see these bodies. Let them see the skeletons. We have the photographs. Attorney General William Barr says he thinks spying did occur on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, suggesting the origins of the Russia investigation may have been mishandled. Scientists released the first image ever made of a black hole, revealing a fiery ring of gravity-twisted light swirling around the edge of the abyss. One scientist said science fiction has become science fact. I'm Ed Donahue.